Amen. Turning your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to read verse 9 through um, chapter 2, verse 11. And I want to preach a message on pardoned, pardon and purity or the assurance of salvation. And um, as we've already studied in chapter 1, uh, the first three verses is so precious about fellowship uh, and how John... Uh, handled the Word of God, looked upon Him, and saw with His own eyes Jesus. And then He goes into this great um, book and talks about how we can have fellowship with that God just as close through the Spirit of God. By, by His Spirit, we can have fellowship spiritually well, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as close as John might have been, we can be, because the Bible says in verse 7, but we walk in light as He is in light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses uh, from all sin. But I want you to look at verse 9. Let's stay in awe of the Word of God. We're going to read verse 9 through 11 uh, of the next chapter. Just a few verses. I know you're tired, so we won't keep you standing long. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, key word in the book of John, 1 John, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write unto you, and here's the key, that ye sin not. That ye sin not. And if any man sin, which you will, uh, we have an advocate or a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation, explain that word in just a moment, for our sins and not only not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, there's that word again, phrase, He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And whosoever keepeth His word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby know we that we are in Him." He that saith he abideth in him ought him, himself also to walk even as he walked. What a standard. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which we have heard from the beginning. And the new commandment I write in you, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in the darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. You may be seated. I want you to notice the first two verses of chapter 2. It says, My little children... These things write unto you that you sin not, that you sin not. Folks, not only does God tell us about a pardon uh, in verse 9, and you will sin after you're saved, amen? If you, don't, if you don't believe you'll sin, ask your wife. She'll tell you you sin, amen? Or ask anybody, because we all fall short of the glory of God. But I believe sin should be an exception and not a profession. I don't believe sin ought to be a, a way of life. After you get saved, there is a difference. And there is fruit. The way you know you're saved is that you pass from death unto life or darkness unto light. And so look at this. 
It says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and He is the propitiation for our sins, and not, only, uh, uh, not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Number one, I want you to see that we're purified. We're purified by the Scriptures. And that means that, folks, that we sin not is God's goal. The Bible will keep you away from sin, or sin will keep you away from the Bible. Amen? If you saturate your soul with the Word of God, the Bible says in uh, Psalms 119, verse 11, The Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The word here, hid means literally treasure, treasure. And so, folks, the main purpose of the written Word is that you sin not. Uh, folks, the Bible will purify you. The Bible will convict you. Uh, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will tell you when you're sin. I look at it this way. If you uh, had an alarm system, turned it down on one, if you turned it down on one, it wouldn't do you a bit of good. And folks, uh, when you don't read your Bible, your, your alarm system's on one. It might be on a half. It might not be on at all. And so folks, first of all, we see that. Then number two, we need to realize that He wants us to have a holy life. Uh, we must have the Holy Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I want to back up just a little bit and tell you there's a pardon and there is purity. There's a pardon and there is a purity. Psalms 51 talks about purity. Psalms 1, uh, 1 John 1, 9, look at that. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, what is confessing sin? Every time I think about confessing, I think about the time that I was in the Catholic cathedral down in Arequipa, Peru, and it was gold and all riches, and it was, it was the richest place you've ever seen in your life, and these doors were 12, 15 foot high, and you open those big doors, and then as soon as you go in, you'd see, you saw uh, Mary in this immaculate, about 15 foot picture, and Jesus in a casket, a full length casket. Some of you have been there, you've seen it, amen? Some of you shaking your head, I saw it. And uh, what, what an absurd um, uh, statue. Here's Jesus uh, uh, in a casket. He's not in a casket. He's on the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession. But then we went around past that casket, and there was this little peasant guy, and he went into this little box, booth. I thought it was a phone booth. I was really ignorant back then. And it was a confession booth. And I want to tell you something, friend. He was in there forever, uh, doing a lot of penance and doing a lot of works, and you don't work for, for uh, forgiveness. Uh, it's all because of the blood of Jesus, amen? And he came out as, looking as sad or sadder than he went in. I, I waited on him. I, just want, I said, I'm going to see this. I wasn't trying to be critical, pitiful, or, or cynical, but I know what I believe, and I know who the high priest is, and I know who the mediator is. And it's sure it in some uh, earthly father. The Bible says, call no man father. But I, I, was, I was so taken back by the sadness on his face because I realized he really didn't get forgiveness. He really uh, had some works in his life, and he was manifested that by his sadness. Folks, religion will make you sad. Hey, I'm going to tell you another thing is works will make you sadder because you're trying to climb a ladder to heaven when it's only the cross. You're trying to get forgiveness after you sin by your works of penance or your works of good works or your works of contrition or a worldly sorrow when there's a godly sorrow called the Holy Ghost that convicts you of how impure you really are, how sinful sin is. See, today we get used to the darkness. 
We, we, we accept things that I never thought we would accept, like abortion, like uh, same-sex marriages, like men tr- turning into women and women turning into men. I want to tell you something, friend. They're not turning into nothing. They still are, whatever the, God created them. Amen. Whatever they came out of that uh, womb, that's what they are. Amen. And they can distort and pervert all they want to. I call them perverts because that's perverting God's image. God created you a man. You ought to be a man. God created you a a woman, you ought to be a woman, amen? Uh, men, you ought to like fishing, and uh, women, you ought to like dolls when you're a kid, amen? Uh, boys, you ought to like snakes and snails and, and uh, shotgun shells, uh, and uh, uh, I don't know, that's redneck, uh, but uh, uh, you, you ought to like that kind of stuff, and, and ladies ought to like lady stuff, say amen. Uh, I just believe that, and folks, a lot of times people try to teach themselves into saying, I'm not satisfied with the way God made me. That's rebellion against the Creator. You need to accept yourself. And you won't love anybody else to you except yourself. The Bible says you ought to love your uh, husband. It says love your wife even as you love yourself. That's why husbands sometimes don't love their wives because they're down on themselves. Folks, I want to tell you something. Critical people are insecure people. They're down on themselves. They're in a ditch wanting company. But I want to tell you something. I said all that to say this. There's a difference in a pardon and purity. Folks, confession is not just listing it. Confession means you call it what God calls it. You judge it like God judges it. And you see that sin as God sees that sin. I've been in a lot of homes confronting people about sin. I don't do that unless it's a church issue. And I've heard some people say some crazy things about why they sin. I'm sick. Well, yes, uh, sin has been compared to sickness, but if, if, if sin is just a sickness, won't you just take a pill and get over it? No, it's not a, it's not a sickness. It's sin. Uh, people want to uh, go to AAA and AA, and they want to get cured from their sickness of alcoholism. Let me tell you something. Alcoholism is a sin. And until you admit it's a sin, you'll never get a cure because, folks, man cannot cure themselves. I don't care how much rehab you take, you're always vulnerable. And folks, I don't think you have to go around saying, I'm an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic. No, if you're saved, you're saved. Past tense, you was an alcoholic. But now you're saved by the grace of God. Amen? It's not 12 steps, it's one Jesus that cures you from drinking. Amen? And we have all these substitutes for confession. We have all these substitutes for repentance. We have all these substitutes for purity. We want a quick pardon. And folks, most of the time, it's because you got caught and you want to you you get it off your back. You want to get your wife, your husband, or the law, or whoever off your back. And that's not confession. That's getting caught. Folks, I want to tell you what confession is. Confession is seeing how unclean you really are. If you want to read a great confession, you ought to turn back with me to Psalms 51 real quick. Psalms 51. I don't have to preach at 8.30, so I'll let you out early. But Psalms, I shouldn't have said that. Psalms 51. Look at this. Psalms 51. I, I was so possessed by this iPad, uh, I didn't charge it up. It was down to 9% when I walked in the door. I said, it's going to go dead, it's going to go dead. You know, George Whitfield was such a spiritual preacher, he died till the candle went out. He, was, he died till the candle. He said, I'll preach. I'll preach till the candle goes out. When the candle went out, he died. He gave up the ghost, so to speak. He was a great preacher and uh, caused great revival and did influence uh, Benjamin Franklin as a young man in the 1770s. 
uh, earlier than that. But, I, you know, folks, I'm so liberal, I'll preach till my iPad goes out. Amen? That, that sounds liberal. That, that sounds awful. Amen? So don't ever admit that. I told Brother uh, Cody we had to put a plug on this pulpit in case my iPad goes out. Wouldn't have an outline. And y'all better hope I have an outline. Because if I don't have an outline, it's a midnight hour of preaching. Amen? I'll preach on. But look at Psalms 51. You want to see a real confession. It's not that I was sick. It's not that I have midlife crisis. Uh, that, gets, that gets blamed for all kinds of stuff. Amen? I got PMS or uh, uh, PM or AM. You know, you just got sin. Amen? And I know, it's, I know it's real stuff. I've been through it, and I've been through it, and I've got through it, and I'll probably go through it again. I know that's real stuff, but that is no excuse for sinning and slapping everybody and hurting everybody and being ill all the time. Amen? Just get some help. Amen? You say, oh, you don't understand, preacher. Well, I might not understand, but I know what the Bible says. If you will really confess your sins, He'll give you victory. Look at it. We need to call sin, sin. We need to judge sin as God judges it and realize that every sin put Jesus on the cross so there is no little sins. So you don't just say, well, Lord, I'm sorry I slapped my wife and if she'll forgive me, I won't, I won't do it until she makes me mad again. You won't live long like that say amen. Uh, well, I'm sorry I cussed and I won't do it until somebody makes me mad. That's not confession. That's sin, confess, sin, confess, easy as I go. And shall grace abound that we sin and confess, sin and confess? Romans chapter uh, 5 asked that question. But I want you to see a real confession. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. He means, hey, when I confess this sin of murder and adultery, by the way, that's what David committed. He said, I, you're going to blot it out. That's why we have the book of Psalms, because he got, he got his forgiveness. That's why Saul committed suicide and David uh, went on after God's own heart because Saul never confessed his sin. There's a difference in confession. It's a matter of life or death. Look at verse 2. Wash me throughly from mine iniquities. That sound like, well, Lord, I, 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 I cussed, but I'll do it again. I won't do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. No. That's flare prayer. It don't help. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. Now listen to this. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. That's called conviction. Say amen. Against thee and thee only have I sinned. That's called real conviction. It's an assault against God. It's an insult against God. It's a reproach against God. Any sin. And that's why it is so absinthe and so ignorant to think that any of your little works can reconcile you back to God. That's putting, too much, that's putting too much wealth in man and religion. Folks, There's no, nothing can get you right with God except the blood of Jesus. And Holy Ghost conviction. Say amen. This religion stuff really perturbs me. And we ought to pray and, and win them to the Lord. Against me, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Thou, listen, that thou mightest that thou mightest justi be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. Was he an illegitimate child? No. He even confessed his sinful nature. He said, I got a damnic nature. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. That's deep. And the hidden parts. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. 
I want you to notice this next phrase. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. I want you to notice the word hyssop. The first mention is very important of every word in the Bible. The first mention of hyssop is in Exodus chapter 12, where they went out and got a hyssop and dipped it in blood. See, a hyssop plant is a small plant that grows in the crevices of rocks and even in cracks in the walls in the Bible days, and its structure makes a perfect brush. Don't you believe God maybe made the hyssop to brush the blood on the lintel of the doors when, when the death angel came by? And it was first mentioned in this chapter where he said, hey, go get a, a perfect lamb, not, a, not, not a, an imperfect lamb, but a perfect lamb, and slay it, and take a hyssop uh, uh, branch, looks like a brush, dip it in the blood of the lamb, and put it on the doorpost, and at the Passover, when the death angel comes by, um, he'll pass over and spare your life. It's a matter of life or death, the blood. And David was asking God to be his high priest, to sprinkle his heart, his mind, his soul, with the blood of an innocent sacrifice. And you know this is a foreshadowing of. It's a foreshadowing of, of uh, and David was making a profound statement, looking to the cross. Folks, listen, it was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus that be shed at the cross of Calvary. And only the blood of Jesus Christ can pardon and purify your soul. He wants you pure. He wants to forgive you. He wants your slate to be clean. As David wanted his slate to be clean, it was ever before him. He couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Uh, his bones were aching and he, and he, and he was uh, no joy in his heart, verse 11. And folks, but he said, I want more than just a pardon. I want, I want purity. I want God to look at me and say, you can use me. And I can write psalms. And I can be, God, I can be a man after God's own heart. And so I want you to notice that, folks, God wants you not to sin, but you will sin. But when you sin, realize this, and realize it very carefully, that you have an advocate. And he's a lawyer that's never lost a case. Go back to our text, and we'll close just in a few minutes. But I want you to see verse 2. It says, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Now, what in the world, or what in the Scriptures does propitiation mean? It means a pleasing. It means the reason Christ can take care of the sin problem is because He satisfied the justice of God. Propitiation means the sacrifice has been accepted. The punishment for sin is enough. The blood of Jesus. And so He has satisfied God's justice. Jesus has. And it's truth. The wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If His blood had not been accepted, you couldn't get saved. And if the blood of Jesus is not acceptable, then you cannot ask forgiveness after you're saved. There's no way to get right with God. And it sure isn't through coming to me and confessing your sins. I'm a, I'm a sinner just like you are. Saved by grace. I can't forgive your sins. But I'll tell you what, I know one that can. His name is the mediator. He's the lawyer. He's never lost a case. Why? Because He paid in full the sin debt. It is finished is what He cried out on the cross. And the work of Christ on the cross 
makes him an acceptable but perfect advocate. The Bible says, he, he, and he is the propitiation. But look at verse 1. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Who is it? Jesus Christ the righteous. His blood is pure. His blood is enough. And folks, anything lower than that is making a mockery of Calvary. If our little old works and our penance and our prayers could get us right with God, or anybody else's prayers could be right with God, then they are saying that the blood was not enough. And that is an offense to me. That's a heresy. That is not scriptural. It is, it's not spiritual. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's religion at the, at the worst. Folks, the blood is the advocate. The lamb is the advocate. The lamb is the propitiation, the satisfying of God's justice. And I want to close with saying this. You can know you're saved. And you can know it for sure because look at verse 3 of chapter 2. It says, Hereby we know that we know Him. Now, is that not salvation? We know that we know Him. So here's a book that many times tells us how we can get back in fellowship. Remember verse 1 and 2 of chapter 1. It was so precious that John touched him and listened to him and saw him personally. He said you can have the same fellowship through the Spirit, by the blood. And when you sin, you have an advocate. You have a propitiation. You can ask forgiveness and He'll forgive you. And you can get back into fellowship. You can get out of the darkness and walk in the light. Praise God there's a way back when you backslide. Or we'd all go to hell. We'd all lose our salvation. And I don't believe you can do that for a second. Why? Because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Now why would He tell us to confess our sins if we, had, if we, if we could lose our salvation? What well, He ought to say in verse 9 if we could lose our salvation, He says when you sin, you better get saved again or you're going to hell. That's what He should have said. But folks, it's never been in the Bible, never will be in the Bible that you can lose your salvation. And so I want you to see the proof of uh, salvation. The proof of salvation. I want you to see, first of all, the criteria for the examination. I might have went way ahead, brother, just going down. The criteria for the examination, the Word of Scripture. The Word of Scripture. Look at verse 7. It says, But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby we know that, that we are in him. There's another word for salvation. We're in him. And so the criteria for examination, number one, is the Word of the Scripture. And number two is the Word of the Savior. Look at verse 8. And it says, again, a new commandment I write unto you, which, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Folks, you accept the true light, that's Jesus Christ. You accept the true word, that's the word of God. And so comprehending of that statement is, um, folks, there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's the statement that Christ is enough. Um, that which is true is in Christ. Christ lived with a divine um, command. The converts are, is, is this, and in you, and in you. Uh, because darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Look at that verse 7. Brethren, I write now a commandment in you, but an old commandment which you, which you have from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning, and the, and the new commandment is writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. That's Jesus. And so, folks, listen, we have two criteria for examining. Are you, uh, did you do what the Word of God said when you got saved? And number two, are, is the Savior in your soul? Do you know the Savior? Did you receive the Savior? 
Uh, if you reject the Savior, you're lost. But if you receive the Savior, you're saved. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection, you're saved. Now here's the character of the examination. The character of the examination. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Hereby we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Look at verse uh, 4. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar. You're not really saved. And the truth is not in Him. He that saith, anybody can say they're saved. By the way, everybody in Dalton, Georgia says they're saved almost. It's the most religious place in the world. Oh, I, yeah, I'm saved. I, I got saved seven times. Well, listen, how do you prove it? Not what you say, but what you are. And folks, how you responded by the truth. And, and now the, the uh, character of that examination is submission. Submission. Look at verse 3 again. Hereby we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. Obedience is pretty important. Now I want to tell you what obedience is. It's a sign and signal that you're saved. If you don't want to obey God, you never have obeyed God, then you don't have that new want to. I cuss as much as I want to. I run around on my beautiful wife as much as I want to. I smoke and dope as much as I want to, but since I got saved, I don't want to. And I'll tell you another thing is, I'm scared to. Because i got a Heavenly Father that will take me to the woodshed. And He knows my heart. And He could take that heart. He could destroy my marriage. He could allow Satan to come in between us. And folks, I want to tell you, this is submission. Submission provides assurance. Permission provides assurance. Look at verse 3 again. It says, we, hereby we know that we know Him. We know Him. That's all that counts. Salvation is knowing Him if we keep His commandments. Disobedient saints will not have, have anything but doubts all their life. Let me say this. If you don't get scripturally baptized after you're saved, you're going to have doubts about your salvation, most likely. No doubt about it. If you're scared of water, trust me, I hadn't lost but two or three in 41 years. No, I hadn't lost any, I don't think. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. I'm not the keeper. He is. I'm talking about physically, in the water. But folks, I want to tell you something. Baptism is pretty important because it's obedience. And if you're, not, if you're disobedient, the devil always has that. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you sure you're saved? He'll, he'll, he'll hound you the rest of your life if you're disobedient in the first act of obedience, and that's baptism. That's why we Baptists think it's pretty important. But we're not Church of Christ. We don't believe that it washes your sins away. away. And so then number two is uh, submission proves affection. Look at verse 5. But whosoever keepeth the word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby, hereby know we that we are in him. Hey, there's a new love. There's a new want to, but there's a new love. Now I want to tell you this. If you never want to go to church, you better check up on your salvation. Because I want to tell you something. God's Holy Spirit wants to go to church. God's Holy Spirit inside of you now, if you're saved, wants to worship. He wants to worship Him. You can't even call Him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so, folks, there's a sincere, there's a submission provides assurance, but then there's also a sincerity examination. Look at verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandment, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I didn't say that. God's Word said it. The profession uh, for the test is he that saith, I know him. 
And then, and then look at verse uh, 6. Excuse me. Yeah, verse uh, 6, it says, it says, And he that saith he abideth in him ought him also to walk even as he walked. Walk, not talk, shows sincerity of a profession of faith. Everybody can say they're saved, but your life proves you're saved. There's a difference. No roots, no fruit. Or let me put it backwards. No fruit, there's no roots. Uh, folks, the only way you can know you're saved, you've got to look for fruit. And when you look back and you have no fruit, you need to realize that you might need to be saved. And so, folks, listen, the performance in this test is keeping not His commandments. Uh, verse 4, the profession of a disobedient is a shallow profession of faith. And it's probably a doubtful profession. And it could be a false profession. And then the pre-verification in the, in the sin in the test is, uh, is a liar. A liar. A strong language. Um, it says you're a liar. Um, it, says, and I, it says, He that saith I know him and keepeth not his commandment is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Strong language, but correct. Disobedience to the word and yet professing salvation expresses to everybody you're a liar. You're not really saved. I didn't say that. The Bible said that. So, the, and so uh, there's a sentimental ex examination. And that's the performance of our love and lack thereof. In verse 9, it says, He that saith is in light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. Some people hate the things of God and they say they're saved. Because some prayer they prayed in 1942. Or they joined a church. One, one, uh, one man told me he knew he was saved because his grandmother was buried out back. I said, what? He said, yeah, my, my grandmom was buried out back of, of uh, New Prospect Baptist Church up there in Barnell, and so I know I'm saved. My grandmother's buried on the property. I said, sir, that doesn't prove you're saved. It proves your grandmother's buried in a good place. That's all it does, amen? And so, and so we see uh, verse 11 it says this, But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whether he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. True faith is described as being in the light. And I just want to say this. When you get saved, you were in the darkness. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.2, you were blinded. You didn't know how dark you were. You didn't know how dark it was. You just... You didn't know how dark sin was. Sin was acceptable. Everybody else is doing it. You were blind. And there was no sensitivity to the things of God because the Holy Spirit makes us sensitive. Not oversensitive, but spiritually sensitive. And folks, all I'm saying is this. When you get saved, you turn from the darkness to the light. The Bible says in John 5, 24, I used this for assurance of salvation for a gentleman just recently, that we pass from death unto life. And I said, sir, when you, when you asked the Lord to come in your life, how was your life different? He said, it was as different as different could be. I said, well, then you're saved. And there was a smile come upon his face, a smile come upon my face, because folks, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word gave him assurance that the time, can't remember the place, can't remember the date, that's, that's I can't remember two weeks from, ago sometimes. I can't remember where I put my Bible before I preached and I had to send somebody for it. Amen. I was too concerned about an iPad going out of power. Better be concerned about the power of the Word. Amen. So the book's here. 
But true faith is evidenced by affection for fellow believers. But true faith is described as being light and not stumbling in some contrast of darkness of unbelief. Folks, the only sin that will send you to hell is unbelief. But when you believe, you're born again. You're born from above. And you change from death unto life. That's a miracle. You change from darkness to light. And all of a sudden you got some fruit. You want to obey God. You even want to pick up your Bible once in a while and read it so you know what to obey. You want to hear preaching straight. You want to hear preaching against sin because you don't want to live there. You want to be pure. And only by the blood can you be pure. And you love the brethren. And you love God most of all. Death to life. Darkness to light. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this chapter on blessed assurance. But God, thank you for the challenge of spiritual purity. God, we don't want to play games and sin and confess, sin and confess. We don't want to trust some human being to forgive us of our sins because of his position. Lord, we, we know it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. That we walk in the light of, as, uh, and have fellowship one with another because of the blood of Jesus. We walk in the light as He's in the light. We, like, we want to be Christ-like. We want to adore the things that Christ adores. We have a heavenly appetite. Our actions speak louder than our words. We don't just say we're saved. We prove it with our life that's walking in the light. But Lord, we will sin. And we thank you, dear God, for the lawyer that's never lost a case. He's on the right hand of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He intercedes and pleads the blood every time we truly confess our sins. They're put back under the blood and forgiven. And we can start walking again with you. What a wonderful fellowship. What a sure sonship we have because of the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary. Lord, thank you that you're our high priest. You took the hyssop. And Lord, that the hyssop showed up at Calvary. They took that hyssop and tried to make it a sedative to you, and you would not take it because you wanted to take the full blunt of our sin and the full payment. And Lord, I thank you that you're our high priest, that you ever lived to make intercession, that you're our advocate.